0: You have to build a vision. You need to do multiple steps into the future. So like, you need to do some moonshots. You need to be able to see where's my North Star, where I need to go with my product. So that you are able to convince your customers what what is possible with Stadybit. So they need to get like, wow, in this direction, Stadybit would like to go, fantastic, I have some great great ideas or maybe some some good problems that are fitting into your vision, we can use to validate if your vision is is correct or not. So it's like feedback from customers and also take care about your own vision. My name is Benjamin Wilms. I am the co-founder and CEO of SteadyBit.
1: This is Code Story, the podcast bringing you interviews with tech visionaries who share in the critical moments of what it takes to change an industry and build and lead a team that has your back. I'm your host, Noah Labhart, and today, how Benjamin Wilms conceived a platform to help your app be resilient by finding and fixing issues for you. All this and more on Code Story. Benjamin Wilms started his career in 1999 as a developer. In the little free time he has, he does mountain biking, spends time with his family, and visits the ocean a few hours away. For mountain biking, he finds that it helps him to keep life balanced away from a screen. And the ocean, well, he just likes to watch his kids play on the beach. Seven years ago, Ben started getting into the topic of chaos engineering while working as a consultant. As he learned about the tools in the market, he realized that to get the tool in production, it required him to understand all of the code base's test coverage without knowledge of SRE. He released an open source project of his own creation, and his approach got picked up by big name enterprises. Then things got really interesting. This is the creation story of SteadyBit.
0: We started three years ago in 2019. With the approach to make chaos engineering accessible to everyone without to be an expert. So we, we created a tool, we created a platform for this approach so that people can prove if their systems are able to handle the conditions we, we, can, we can face in production. The founding story behind is a little bit not, is, is it funny? I don't know, but it's, it's, it's maybe special. Special for me, of course, but maybe also special for the audience. I started my career as a developer and something which is my biggest motivation is I need to solve a problem and I would like to share the solution with other people. I would like to get feedback from other people. I would like to help people with the same problem, maybe with my solution, or maybe that's a good starting point for them. So that's something I was able to do at my former employer. There I was working as a a consultant and that was also the starting point for me nearly seven years ago where I started with the topic of chaos engineering. Why? Because I joined a project quite late in, 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 in the cycle. So it was like in front of the first release into production, but I maybe I'm a little bit paranoid, but I was not able to get this trust and confidence into the system which now needs to go into production by just looking at the code base, by just looking at the test uh, coverage, test cases. So I I need to prove if it's able to survive production or not because production is not the happy place to be. That's why I started with chaos engineering. I would like to inject bad behavior. Then I realized, okay, hmm, all the tools on the market, yeah, I can do something with them, but it's not a good fit for me. I need to do it in a a different way because I'm a developer. I'm not like an SRE or DevOps guy. I would like to be more focused on, on the product. I started my my own um, um, open source project, uh, Chaos Monkey for Spring Boot, and yeah, I, I released it on GitHub. And this was been picked up by people around the globe. It was been used in, in from from people from from Target, Walmart, from people from India, And it was like, wow, I'm not alone with this problem, and there is a solution that someone is picking up because he's he's facing the same problem. That was a starting point. And then there was a special meeting for me because my former employer was was very special. There was a very special culture. I was allowed to spend one day a week to do open source activities, to be on stage, to do conference talks, to share my my experience with other people. And that was been recognized by by someone special, Mirko, Mirko Novakovic. He's one of the founder also from Instana. And he he invited me. We spent, let's say, 20 minutes in in a very nice conversation. And then he told me, you have done something quite good in the last past months. Here's some money, you should create your own company. Let's get into the seat of a founder. What? That was not like my, my, my first idea and it's, it's like, that's the chance of your life and you need to do it. And that was like yeah, the
1: beginning of SteadyBit. Tell me about the MVP for SteadyBit. So tell me about that first product you built. How long did it take you to build and what sort of tools did you use to bring it to life?
0: This his first angel investment. There was only money on the bank account for six to eight months in total. So there was a, a hard pressure on us. I, I reached out to my two co-founders. We, we can build something very special. We can build something, but we have to spend our time and money very efficiently. So how should we build it? What is the stack we need to build on top? Or we should build on top? And also what is the MVP? We should get started with all the open source activities, all the open source products and competitors on the market, you are not spending your time on your use case you need to be able to get specific tools into place you need to be able to be an expert for all the different tools you need to do them chaos engineer and that's something we would like to get rid of that's something we would not like to care about and that's was like the, the MVP where you're just installing once the agent and at that point in time you can focus on your use case like that's the service and I would like to check and verify if we are still able to survive even if in the back end let's say 50-60% of our the remote services are not responding in less than one second and that's more like yeah, a different approach it's not like that you are picking up a tool out of your of your toolbox like a hammer to hit your system and to to verify if the hammer is working or not and that was like the, the biggest difference and that was our mvp
1: Okay, so with that MVP, and you alluded at a high level to some of these, but I'm going to dig into them. Tell me about some of the decisions and trade-offs you had to make when building the MVP. Um, You you mentioned the agent, right? You mentioned that piece. How did you cope with those decisions?
0: There's one famous phrase, term inside of It's It's called good enough for now. Normally, as a developer, and especially for a German developer, you would like to get it Perfect. And that's always like the hard decision. Is it already a delivering value? Is someone getting an aha moment? If so, stop right now and get more feedback. And then you can improve. Then you can do iterations to improve this feature. You can take better decisions on, should we do it this way or the other way? We need feedback. That is always like the decision. Is it good enough for now? Is is someone able to understand what he can achieve with this MVP, with this this specific feature, then get out and get feedback as fast as possible.
1: Okay, so then from that point, you're getting out and getting that feedback, right? How did you go about this? You know, progressing the product? How did you go about maturing it? And I think to wrap that in a box, what I'm curious about is how you built your roadmap and how you decided, how you went about deciding. This is the next most important thing to build with SteadyBit.
0: It's, it's a combination. It's always like, like something in balance between you need Early adopters, you need to get early users in your product and you need to get the, um, their feedback. It's not like that you should ask them what is the next big feature you would like to get from SteadyBit. Then you are getting very complicated answers and your product is not evolving in the right direction because it's hard for, for a potential customer to describe a feature he needs. He's more able to describe a specific problem. So, you, we, Steady bit. We need to know what is the biggest problem from our customers. We need to get the experts for, for those problems. And then from that point on, we can build the first solutions to get feedback from our customers. Is this solution the best fit for your problem? Is this the best uh, solution for your problem? If so, okay, we can do the next iteration. The other side is like you have to build a vision. You need to do multiple steps into the future. So like you need to do some moonshots. You need to be able to see where's my North Star, where I need to go with my product so that you are able to convince your customers what, what is possible with steadybit So it, they need to get like, wow, in this direction, SteadyBit would like to go. Fantastic. I have some great great ideas or maybe some some good problems that are fitting into your vision we can use to validate if your vision is, is correct or not so it's like feedback from customers and also take care about your own vision
1: how did you go about building your team to support that vision in that roadmap how did you decide okay or what did you look for in those people to indicate they were the winning horses to join you you need to get a highly motivated
0: people you need to to, to hire people that are able to build trust in you. So they need to trust your vision. They need to trust you as a person. They need to trust you in in your seat as a founder. And you need people who are, of course, able to develop all the the stuff you need, but also that are very, how's it called, product focused. So it's like, it's not like, okay here's a task you need to engineer you need to develop this specific task and uh, put it from the left to the right side on your table no that's that's not the, the kind of people you need it's more like okay here's a problem and we should would like to find a good solution that is a good uh, first uh, starting point and then they need to get into the position that they are able to understand the problem, that they are able to to interact with our customers in a very short way that they can get feedback so it's 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 a very special mix of of humans that are able to get out to consume and also to deliver. In the very early beginning, you you need to hire people that you already know from from maybe some of your uh, former projects, former employers. So you need a strong connection because it, to be in a startup, it's like in a to sit on a, on a, on a freaking roller coaster. It's it's going up and down and it's it's uh, very turbulent. Yeah.
1: Okay, let's talk about scalability. And, and you know, given the problem you're solving, this will be interesting to see how you approach it. It's always interesting for me to hear how how founders approach this. So did you build this to scale efficiently from day one or have you been fighting this as you grow?
0: Let me start with the technology first. To scale on the tech side, is something we have taken care of since day one. So we always created something which we can run at small scale. And also like if customers and leads are coming in, which is very important for you as a startup because you need to get this feedback, you need to get this traction. You need to be able to scale at this moment in time. For for example, oh shit, we have created a big monster and now all customers are loving this monster, but we, we are not able to scale it. Yeah, You're done. It's too late. You have not the time to, to scale right now from the tech stack. So take care about it day one. And from the team perspective, don't scale too fast and too early. And something which, which I was able to see at other startups in, in the area. As a founder, all the shit is lying on your desk. You have to take care about so many freaking topics. It's ridiculous sometimes, and it's sometimes also frustrating because you are not the expert. You have not maybe done it once in your life or never done it in your life. So you're not the expert, but you need to do it first as a founder to then hire the experts because you need to know, you, you, be, you, need, uh, you need to be the, the expert to, for this problem. Before, for example, I will not uh, hire an, an let's say VP of sales before I was not able to sell my product as a founder you need to tell them how they should sell your product because you have already done it. Also, um, I would not hire, let's say uh, 100 engineers because uh, maybe we we are then able to move faster. No, you need to be careful because you have to take care about your runway, about about your spendings. And also, if a team is growing too fast, you are destroying your, your culture. And in a startup, culture is very important because startups are not safe places. It's always like, how many money is left on the bank account? How many leads are coming in? How many customers could we turn into paying customers? So it's it's a very strong situation you are in.
1: Well, well Ben, as you step out on the balcony and you look across all that you've built, what are you most proud of?
0: About this fantastic team, which is a freaking delivery machine. It's it's awesome. So we are doing a lot of research. So we are doing interviews with our customers. We are doing interviews with prospects, with, with some unknown persons to, to get a clear picture about is our vision in the right direction? Do we need to adjust? And then our, our team is a, a big muscle. So a lot of great insights are coming from all this re- research. And then the team is able to get out new features in a couple of, of, of weeks from, from, from nothing into the first uh, iteration of the, of the feature. And don't get me wrong, but we love each other quite well. <laughs> there are bad days, there are good days, but uh, we can trust each, uh, each other, we are, we are on the same track and we are all strong believers that Bit will be successful. And that's, that's something I'm very proud of um, with even a small team of 11 people right now
1: let's flip the script a little bit. Tell me about a mistake you made and how you and your team responded to it. I love mistakes.
0: Why? Because that's the moment where you will learn something for the future. Let me share uh, my biggest mistake from from my early beginnings as a developer outside of Steadybit. So I was working for a logistic company. During a project, I was responsible to create a barcode generation uh, generator tool. They were very special barcodes because you can store a lot of information inside of this barcode. And for this logistic company, it was like, okay, we can print 10,000s of those already pre-filled barcodes and can send them out to our customers. And if the customer is now calling us to pick up the package at his home, we can do the first scan and all data has been scanned from this barcode. I missed a special case that the scanner is able to recognize, okay, here's the end of the barcode. So 10,000 of barcodes are created and no one could scan them automatically with the barcode scanner. Bad mistake, but it's okay. It's okay to do a mistake. Even if it's a, it's a bad mistake, but if you are surrounded by great people and you have created a, a failure culture where people are able to learn from failures and they are not like knocked out because they have done something wrong. It's a good place to be, and you are learning from it, and the whole organization, your whole team is learning from it.
1: Okay, well, this will be fun, Ben. So tell me what the future looks like for the product and for your team.
0: So we started as just a chaos engineering platform, but we learned quite fast with the help of our customers that chaos engineering is, let's call it more like an engine, something you will use and it's not something that you that you will do. So let me describe it in, the, in, the, in a more way. SteadyBit is getting into a direction to get more into the orchestration platform, to interact with all your existing solutions, like with your load tests, with your monitoring solutions, with your APM solutions, with your observ- observability, hard word for German, tools you are using. And we can interact and use all this data provided by your stack the attacks the chaos engineering part is is been used to more check and verify if your system is able to survive under not normal conditions. And then we can use integrations into, into your monitoring solutions to, to verify if the system is still healthy or not. If we as steady bit are injecting bad behavior. And that's more like how, how our product is, is evolving. So more and more integrations, more and more connections to existing solutions. From the team, we have created a very special and unique, unique team. And this team has been able to produce so many great features, they are so good to, for interacting with our customers, and I would like to double it. I would like to triple this team, so it's it's like, okay, we can do so much more. We have so many great ideas on, on the roadmap, so many great feedback from our customers. Let's move faster, let's let's yeah get out as, as, as steady a steady bit, and um, that's yeah, the biggest look into the future I can see right now, because since a couple of weeks ago, we were in a kind of stealth mode. So our website was public, you can try out our, our product for free, but we have not announced any, anything about Steadybit. This has changed since a couple of, of weeks ago, because now we would like to get out as, as a brand. We would like to get yeah, uh, visible as, as Steadybit and yeah, to yeah, uh, do this, uh, this switch.
1: Let's switch to you, Ben. So who influences the way that you work? Name someone or many persons or something you look up to and why?
0: Many, many different people, people from from my team that are able to provide some some fantastic ideas for the future. So, people from my team are reaching out. I, I heard it multiple times from our customers. I heard it from from some interviews we have done. There is something. There is something we we should take care. Of. Let's let's talk about. It. That's something which which is inspiring me, which is is, um, influencing me. Um, Also, people that are taking care to to share their knowledge in in, in a public way have done like like a startup and they are talking not only about the the happy side. That's something which is influencing me, which is, is providing me some insights where I can reflect myself and can learn from it. So normally, if you going in, into the press, you will see, okay, this startup has raised XYZ millions of dollars, and they are now scaling. But that's not always happy. There's all, sometimes also a dark side and, and, and something where we should talk more about. And that's that are the people that are yeah, influencing me the most.
1: Well, we talked about a mistake earlier, but a little bit different spin, Ben. If you could go back to the beginning, what would you do different? Where would you consider taking a different approach?
0: Some business-related approach was we founded Steadybit as, as as a German-based company. Then there was the first term sheet on, on the table and at that point in time, there was a tax issue. So we could not do a flip into the States because normally what I would do next is first create a Delaware Inc. and then create a German-based company and not, not the other way around because in Germany, you, there's a special tax law and you are running into issues if you would like to flip after the founding. That's one learning. But the other or what I would like uh, different is I would like to move faster. I would like to to fail fast in a, in a safe way and to learn from it and to be even more faster as, as, as we are now today. We are very fast. don't get me wrong, but that's maybe something personally, something in, inside of me or, or something which yeah which pushes me.
1: Well, Ben, last question. So you're getting on a plane and you're sitting next to a young entrepreneur who's built the next big thing. They're jazzed about it. They can't wait to show it off to the world and can't wait to show it off to you right there on the plane. What advice do you give that person having gone down this road a bit? Be yourself.
0: Don't lose yourself. Stay focused. You will be influenced by so many different people. So many informations are coming in front of you. You have to stay on focus. You, you need to be a strong believer. Take care about your vision. Where would you like to be in one or two, three years? That's, that's, uh, that's the main goal. You are later on the company. If you have a bad day, maybe because of a private situation, wear your mask, be a happy. You are the founder and every, everyone is watching it at you so um it's it's like you are you are the, this very unique person in in a startup and everybody needs to to trust you and uh, yeah be authentic
1: excellent advice well ben thank you for being on the show today and thank you for telling the creation story of SteadyBit. thanks a lot for having me and this concludes another chapter of code story